very much guys everybody for coming up here and leading us it's hard to sing acapulco in front of everybody amen <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah we got we're going to be in several different verses today if you want to turn to john chapter 10 first of all also we're going to be in first john in a little bit john chapter 10 and also first john and I think I had a couple more down there as well. We'll probably end up going to. But we're going to do something just a little bit different this morning. Not that we haven't already by singing Acapulco in our worship sessions. Acapella, Acapulco. Let's sing Acapella and Acapulco. Let's go, right? 
I haven't ever been there. Oh, they just had a hurricane. We might not want to go there right now. The five o'clock till hey, I can't say that. <laughs> you, you got me for a minute there, Gunny. Anyway, seriously, we're going to be doing something that's a little bit different this morning. Those of you who like to take notes, get your pencils out, maybe, because I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to break down some stuff grammatically. And I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm going to be presenting a message to you this morning expositionally. In other words, this is something that's normally taught in Sunday school classes where there's more interaction, you're able to get down to a little bit more gritty, nitty-gritty with the details that I am about to share with you this morning. However, I have began this week with working with some people who were uh, in the midst of some confusion about a doctrinal issue and that there were people who were purposely trying to cause confusion with these people. And I got to thinking about that, and I got thinking about the confusion that was being manifested there. And then Sherry and I had the opportunity to go to this church summit this past week where it was a great summit. However, some of the things that were taught were, were incredibly uh, doctrinally wrong in some of the aspects that were being presented. And when I thought about the confusion and then the confusion that was being manifested in this with some of the leadership of this this summit that we were at great people but there was just confusion being molded around in there I got to thinking how important it is that we don't just have our doctrinal sermons I mean our doctrinal messages in Sunday school it's hard to preach a, a deep message from the pulpit if you will something that where you get into the grammatics and the hermeneutics of the scripture but I felt as though that it needed to be done and I started praying about it and I started praying for the Lord to give me a message this morning dedicated to why and what makes us who we are. Because it's important, guys, if we are going to be the Christians that God has called us to be, then we need to be assured of who we are in Christ. And to be assured in Christ means that we got to know why we believe what we believe. And one of the things that gives us that assurance is the peace of knowing that I am Christ, that I am in Him. That when we are His people, He is our Lord. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And I hear them. I know them. They know me, and I know them. So the message this morning is something to give us more assurance about who we are in Christ so that we can go out into a world where, where Satan is doing all he can to infiltrate churches and to water down the word and mix things up. So I want us to think this morning about what it means to have that Christian assurance. One of the illustrations I thought of I think all of us have seen the Golden Gate Bridge in a movie or in a picture. I've never seen it physically, but I know what the Golden Gate Bridge looks like. It's, a, it's an incredible bridge that I think all of us can put our mind around. We've seen it at some time or another. It finished completion in 1937, and it cost $77 million to build. Now, in the building of that, in the first stage, there were no safety devices, if you will, and 23 men fell to their death into the water below. Well, this was a lot, and it, it caused every other man to really work slowly because they were scared of falling into the water below. And so they got together, and they started talking. They said it was going to be $100,000, but it was going to be money they felt as though it would be well spent to build the, at the time, I think it still is, but at the time, it was the world's biggest safety net. That net spanned the side to side. Now, we know that it saved at least 10 people, maybe more, but 10 were actually annotated there that it saved their lives. And also, it says that the, the work progress 
increased 25% when the people didn't have to worry about falling to their death anymore. When they didn't have to worry about hitting the water down there before. They had an assurance that they were safe and they could do the work that they were commissioned to get out there and do. Now, as Christians, that's why God has given us an assurance. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When he gives us what we call the Great Commission, it, when he says, go and be ye therefore and make disciples and baptize, if you keep on reading through it, it says, and lo, I will be with you till the end. We have assurance in Christ. And with that assurance, I don't have to worry. That, now, I should live my life to the best of my ability, but I am going to slip and I'm going to fall sometimes. I may do something stupid, but I know my God's not going to leave me nor forsake me, that he is going to be right there. If we truly have a relationship with Christ, when we have it more than with our mouth, but we have it in our heart, when we truly surrendered our lives to his lordship, I have the assurance to know that if I mess up, I'm not going to plummet to my death. I'm not going to wake up in hell because I've been washed by the blood of the lamb. And even though I make mistakes, even though I do stupid things, even though I may argue at times when I'm not supposed to be arguing, even though I may condemn or convict or confront people at times, and I have to repent and say I'm sorry, my God didn't forsake me and leave me there to burn on the altar. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You are my child. And because I know I am his, I can stand back up, brush myself off, look to the arms of Jesus, say, Father, forgive me. He is going to wash me, cleanse me, fill me, and put me right back out there to do the deeds that God has called me to do. Amen. That comes from the assurance of knowing who it is that fills me, who it is that has washed me, who it is that has graced me. In John chapter 10, Starting in verse 25. This is what Jesus is saying. If you have the red letter edition, you'll see this is red letter. This is Jesus speaking. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. Now listen, my sheep, and this is what he's saying. This is how you know if you're, that you are my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. To be assured of our salvation sets us free to serve the Lord, folks. When I know that because of the blood of the Lamb, because He has shed that blood and He has washed us with it, and He said, Whomsoever believes in Me and professes with their mouth that I am the Son of God, that I arose again on the third day, that they shall be saved, He meant that. Now, there's a real churchy term that goes around. And unfortunately, it has been uh, watered down and mixed up and twisted around to where people don't know what it means anymore. And it's called the security of the believer. We hear this term thrown about, but I'm not sure if everybody understands what that really means. The security of the believer, what it simply means is that those who are united with Christ in faith, not joining a church, 
not attending Sunday school every week, not because you belong to this denomination or that denomination, not because grandma had you baptized when you were a baby, not because some Sunday school worker made you walk the aisle at some point, not because you said that, that you would go and, and sweep the floors and mow the yards. When you have truly united yourself with Christ in faith, and he has been allowed to move into your life, you will continue to stay and stand in that grace eternally. Amen. When you truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you were 10 or 100, it does not matter. Once you truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been wrapped in the hands of God, uh, doubly so, as we will see in a moment, and you have been washed and left in his hands where no one, including yourself, can pull you from there. Now, unfortunately, there's two different extremes that get to be added here, and both of which are a distortion of the truth. The first one says that, that, that all man is justified and eternally safe regardless of what he says or does. That, that, we are, that God's not going to let anybody go to hell. The New Testament does not say that, that someone's going to be saved because they persist in the faith. It says they can persist because they are saved. It's not about you saying you have faith. It's whether or not you are washed by the Lamb. It's not about you go to church and you say that you're saved. It's whether or not you truly are saved or not. It's what persists. It's what keeps us going. And the other extreme is that, that, that every, you're going to fall from grace. Every time you sin, every time you do something dumb, every time you trip, you're going to fall from grace. That, that, that you're going to have to be saved over and over and over. In other words, crucifying Christ over and over and over. Those who believe that say that, that, that man is free to continue in any way he wants and he can keep reaccepting that grace and keep recleaning himself. He can go out and sin one timely because he knows tomorrow he can be saved again. And he can be saved again. That he is pretty much a master of his own destiny. Folks, that's not what the scripture says either. Now, bringing it back to what the scripture says, the first extreme takes the whole thing completely out of human hands. And the second extreme says that everything is totally in human hands. When in reality, it's kind of in the middle. When in reality, everything comes together. Now, I want you to put aside anything you've ever thought about or heard or, or determined about eternal security for a moment and listen to what God's Word says. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. When it comes down to a doctrinal statement, when it comes down to something, that, a bedrock of our faith, we need to not listen to what the pastor said or what this person said or that person. It comes down, what does the Scripture say? Folks, bottom line, this is the Word. If I come to you and say I have a special revelation, praise God, that's great. But it better match to this. If it don't, you need to come up and tell me, Frank, I think it's something you ate last night. <laughs> yeah, I was in Acapulco. Yeah, there you go. This is the, this is the final authority right here. We, God is not going to tell us something that's contradictory to what the Word of God says. This is bottom line. This is, this is the final thing right here. Now, when I share this scripture with you, I feel as though we are eternally saved. Now, why would I say that? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Look over at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
There is a relationship. If we want that eternal salvation he's talking about right there, he says, I know my sheep and they know me. They hear me. They hear my voice. They know my voice and they listen. That's the big thing. It says we hear him. When we are, are truly confessed to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we listen for that voice, whether it comes through a pastor, whether it comes through a song, whether it comes through a, an event, the birds singing in a specific way. When we are truly living for Christ, when we have truly surrendered our heart to Christ, He not only knows us, we're going to hear His voice. And we know that it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and the hearing of the word of Christ. In other words, our faith comes from hearing His voice. His voice speaking to us in whatever medium it may be, listening for and adhering to it, obeying his commands. You see, our relationship with Jesus Christ brings knowledge. Verse 14 says, in John chapter 10, verse 14, you can go back and read that in a moment, but if you look at it, he's saying right there, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Lewis Drummond, one of my professors at Southwestern Seminary, he, he put it very eloquently when he said, when everything's over and said and done and all the conversation that come to be, and Stormy brought it up this morning in Sunday school, what ultimately matters is, do you know Jesus? Amen. Bottom line to this whole conversation is, do you know Jesus? That's the most important thing. Do you know Jesus? If you do, then you have a relationship. And he says, I know my sheep, and they know me. Now the question is, how do I know, Pastor? How do I know that I know him? Look over in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 1, no, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, This is how I know we are sure that we have come to know him. By keeping his commands. The one who says I have come to know him without keeping his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is perfected. This is how we know that we are in him. How can we be sure that we belong to him? He said, my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Well, how can I be sure that I know him? By obeying his commands. When I am trying to the best of my ability to be what God has called me to be, when I'm trying to the best of my ability to study his word and understand his commands and live out the commands the way he has laid them out for me, doesn't mean I won't fall sometimes, doesn't mean I won't trip, but when I am trying to carry him out to the best of my ability, then I'm being what he has called me to be. If someone says, I belong to God, but doesn't obey God's commands, if they say, I, I am a Christian, but continually and repetitively continue to break the commands of God, if somebody is brought to their light, you shouldn't be living in this lifestyle, you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that, and they continue to do what it is they know they should not do, then the Bible says that that person is a liar and they do not live in the truth. You want to be that one that God says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me? That means when the conviction comes, when you know you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, you try to the best of your ability to turn, repent, and say, Father, forgive me and help me stay away from that anymore. That's the person that knows him. Those who obey God's word really do love him, and they're going to strive to do what they can to make him proud of who they are. 
That is how we know whether or not we live for him or not. That's how we know. It's not about just going to church. You're not going to be able to stand before the Lord one day and say, look, I got my card punched every Sunday for the whole, whole of my life. And he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. It's not about church attendance. Now, we are called to gather one with another. We are called to intercede in prayer for one another. We are called to put out our hands and, and, and lay hands upon one another. We are called to, to share the gospel into this world. But, folks, bottom line comes down, do you know Jesus? Because he said, I know my sheep and they know me. Do you know him and are you one of his sheep? That's the bottom line. How do we know? Do I obey his commandments? I either obey... Or I'm a liar. That's how I know. I either try to the best of my ability to be what God's called me to be, or I don't. I truly say, Father, here I am. If we know Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, he gives us something that's incredibly important. When I truly have sold out to him, then I know I have salvation through Christ Jesus. Notice what, go back, flip back over to, to, to John 10 again. Sorry, I lost my page. In John 10, look at verse 28. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, John 10, verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. Those who know me, those who are my sheep, I know them and they know me. I give them eternal life. In John chapter 17, verse 2, it says, for you have given, talking about God the Father, you have given Jesus authority over everyone on this earth, and he gives eternal life to each one of those who have him. You hear that? It says God has given Jesus everyone on the earth, and Jesus has the authority to give eternal life to everyone who has him. So Jesus is capable and able to make this statement that if you know me, I give you everlasting life. You shall not perish. No one can snatch you from my Father's hand. The Bible is saying here that, that the life with Christ is everlasting. When we truly have surrendered our hearts and our bodies to his lordship, when we have truly given him everything that we are, we can have assurance, we can rest assured that I have eternal life in Christ. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No. Does that mean I'm going to mess up? Yes. Does that mean I should live a lifestyle I know should not be of him? Absolutely not. If you are convicted of that lifestyle and you are obeying his commandments, you will turn and you will hear his voice say, this is the way I should have you to walk. Amen. Now, in there, and here's where I'm going to get a little grammatical on you. When you look at this passage of Scripture, when you really break it down the way the, the apostle wrote it, he's using a double negative here. The word would more, more translate, they shall not, they shall not perish. The, 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 the one word has a, a, the same root, if you will, but they shall not, they shall not perish. No, eternally. In other words, it is going to be doubly so. It is going to be this way. The question that naturally follows is, how can I rest in that kind of assurance? Who's telling me such a statement? God is. God is saying, you shall not. You shall not perish. Our salvation is protected by God. In verse 29, he has given us 
That's a perfect tense. When you read that there, that he has given, that is a perfect tense of the Greek, which means the past completed action. It's already been done. It is already taken care of. He has given us eternal life, not over and over and over. He's saying it's already been done. It's a past tense. And we know that past tense was on the hill of Golgotha, on the hill of Calvary. It was there where he bled and he died as a sacrifice, a propitiation for our sin. He hung on that cross and he died then. Not over and over and over and over. It's already been done. And whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whenever a writer uses the the tense like this, he's going out of his way to do so. He's saying there's a, a special information here that this has already been done and you need to understand it. It's like a carpenter who, who drives a nail into two befores and on the backside beats the nail over, to slam it over to make sure it cannot come apart. That's what he's doing here. He's making sure we understand. You cannot. You, I have given you eternal life and it cannot. No, it cannot be taken from you. If you are one of his sheep. When you've truly surrendered your heart to Christ, he is yours. And you are his. He is your master. He is your, your master. He is your savior. He is your Lord. When we have given to Jesus all that we are, when we give him all our possessions and say, Lord, we want you to do with it as you so choose, we're his. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus is speaking. And he says, those whom the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. You hear that, folks? Go back and look at it. John 6, 37. Those whom the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. In other words, when we are his sheep, he knows we make mistakes. Any of you parents in here, I guarantee you, your kids may be just about perfect, but you know they've made mistakes. Do you quit loving them and push them away? Don't answer that if you have. <laughs> no. You still wrap your arms around them. You may be disappointed. You may have tears in your eyes. Your heart may be broken by the consequences of their actions that they are having to suffer at the moment. But as a parent, you still love them. And if you love them that much, how much more is the perfect love of Christ when we stumble? He's not going to say, what? You did it? Get out of my house. No, he's going to say, Frank, you knew better. There's consequences to your actions. But I still love you, and I'll never forsake you. Now let the world see you repent and say you're sorry, and let's get about doing the work that I've called you to do. Amen. That's the assurance, guys, of knowing that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has, has given us this, this peace that, that, that when I turn to the Father, I can say, here I am. And he may say, that wasn't very smart, but I hope to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. In other words, what this is trying to say is, we have been given and put in Jesus' hands. But then God the Father has placed his hand over that. So we, through the blood of Christ, have been placed in the Son's hands, and the Son's Father, God the Father, wraps his hands around that, and he says, now, you are doubly wrapped in the hands of God. And my sheep, I know them because they are doubly wrapped in my hands. And though they are doubly wrapped in my hands, I'm going to tell you, no one, no thing, nothing 
can pull us out. Folks, that is a two-fisted security in the hands of an almighty God. And when we consider the size of God's hands, large enough to, to hold a whole universe, wide enough to stretch as far as the east is from the west, when we think about how large his hands is, then we can understand why nothing, including Satan himself, is able to snatch the believer from those hands. Nothing can get through God the Father's hands, and somehow if it did, we're still in God the Son's hands. We are locked into the arms and the hands of Jesus Christ through his blood. Nothing can snatch us from the two hands of infinite proportions. Nothing can break through that, regardless of what people may say. When I have truly surrendered my life to him, and I am his and he is mine, I know with assurance there is a safety net that nothing could ever tamper with. Nothing could ever break. And for, therefore, I can go out and I can make some mistakes and know that my God still loves me. I can really mess up and trip around and know that my God loves me. I can get out there and do something stupid and backslide for a year or two or three and still turn when back to my Lord as long as there's breath in my body and say, Father, forgive me, I've been an idiot. And he says, yeah, you're finally coming out of the pig pen. Get a robe, get my signet ring, kill a fatted cow. My child has come home and I'm going to wrap my blanket around him. Folks, when we truly are his, he is ours. And we can say, thank you, Jesus. Look over in Romans. I'm, I, I didn't tell you Romans earlier, but flip over to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, a passage of scripture that many of us probably know. Romans 8, verse 38. Well, oh, here we go. I was in chapter 9. No wonder it didn't look right. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will have the power to what? Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For in other words, he is speaking to you and I. I am utterly convinced, Paul is saying. I'm telling you, I know that I know that nothing can separate us. Death can't, neither the fear of death or the pains of dying. Death cannot separate me. Life, whether it's the hope of life or the love of life, cannot separate me. The angels, they cannot separate me. The demons, no matter how evil they may be and what their values may think they are, they cannot separate me. Not things present, the persecutions and trials around me, nor the things to come, the future trials that may come. Paul is saying none of this. No powers, high, low, supernatural, or worldly can separate me. Nothing so deep. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ when I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Not anything in all of creation, Paul ends this with, can separate me. Nothing in the entire universe can separate me from the love of Christ when I have truly accepted Him and I have become one of His sheep. When I am his and he is mine, my people hear my voice and they obey my commandments. I know them and they hear me. Nothing can separate us, guys. Hallelujah. When people try to say, oh, I, you're going to lose your salvation every day, that's not a very big God you have then. For my God said, I have come and I have hung on this cross and I have shed my blood, blood once and for all, a sacrifice for the many. Now God, understand this too, God does not preserve us in spite of our transgressions and backsliding, but he renews us 
in the repentance of those transgressions and backsliding. We may do these stupid things, but he's always right there. If we will just turn around and say, Father, I have sinned. So the most important question, guys, and this is how people try to stir up the confusion. The most important question that you should be asking yourself is not, it should never be, can I lose my salvation? That's not the question to get entangled in. That's not the question to allow people to pull you down with. That's not the question to allow to guide your life. The question should be, do I truly have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. That's the question you need to ask yourself. Flip back over to 1 John one more time. In verse 11. 1 John, actually flip over to chapter 5, verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11 says, And this is the testimony. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and His life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. It's very simple. It comes down to one simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the bottom line of any doctrinal statement that you make. The bottom line is, do you know Christ? If you are in me, he says, the one who has the Son has life. But the one who does not have the Son does not have life. doesn't say the one who has the Son loses his life. Why? Because he's already told us back here that you will never perish. That you'll have eternal salvation. Amen. Whomsoever believes in me shall not perish. Right. Folks, you can have that eternal assurance. Or if you want to hear the churchy words, the eternal security of the believer. If you like speaking Christianese. But bottom line comes down is that do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you do, can't be taken away from you. I don't care how great a theologian that Satan presents himself as to you. I know, the, I know my Christ. I know my Jesus. I'm one of his sheep. He knows me. Therefore, I hear his voice. And when I am called in accordance to his way, and I love him, it says all things will work for the good. Folks, I'm right there with Paul. I believe that there is nothing, nothing that can separate me from the love of my Christ. Because my God gave his all so that I could give my imperfect all. He died once and for all because he's perfect. I stumble all the time because I'm not but he still loves me. He still cares for me. And he desires, as Peter tells us, he desires that none should perish. No, not one, it says. Go back over to John chapter 10 one more time. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. We are in Jesus' hand. 
If you've truly accepted them, you are in Jesus' hand, and then God's hand comes over those. If I had something in my hand right now and I held it tight and I put this hand over it, then I asked Barry to come up and wrap his hands around it as well, there's a real good chance y'all aren't going to get it out. But that's our human hands. Think about the infinite hands of God. Nothing can snatch you from the Father's hand. Where are you this morning? Do you? This is the bottom question. I don't care. It's not about do you think you can lose your salvation. The question is, do you know Jesus? Because if you are his sheep, you can't be taken. Well, I can pull myself out of that. That's pretty arrogant. You're saying your hands are bigger than God's. He loves you. He cares for you. He's wrapped his hands around you. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would ask you to think about that decision. Because as long as you've got breath in your body, you can make a choice. But one day, you may stand before him and you're going to say, well, you know that, that, that last October Sunday there in 2018, I was in church, I heard the message, and I was there, Lord, I was in church all that month. I never knew you. In fact, you were a liar, it says in 1 John. I'd rather stand before the Lord one day and say, yep, I was in that church that day, and I was there every time I could. And he's going to say, yeah, you messed up here and there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but you're still my sheep, and I love you. Well done, now, good and faithful servant. Come on in. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to make that right. If you do know him, hallelujah. Let's quit trying to confuse people and get out there and share the gospel. Focus on live, living the way God called you to live. Obey his commandments. How do you know that you're one of his? He says, obey my commandments. It's easy. Obeying them is not always easy. But that decision can be Lord knows I fight kick and scream sometimes but I know he loves me where are you this morning I'm going to ask us all to stand I want to lead us in a word of prayer if God's speaking to you this morning I pray that you'll get it right that you'll you can pray right where you're at you can come down to this altar we may not have the standard kind of music we normally have but this is about your relationship with Christ this morning. Elizabeth, can you get her, please? This is an opportunity, guys, for you to get your heart right with God. Where are you this morning? Will you look to him? This is your opportunity. If you're saying, I don't know, you can make a decision today. You can choose right now to say, you know, I choose to obey Christ. How do I obey Christ? He said, whomsoever believes in me, that I am the Son of God, and I rose again on the third day, so shall he be saved. You put your faith in that and can make a commitment to obey the commandments to the best of your ability, and he says, I am faithful and true. 1 John 1, 9 says, when we confess our sins unto the Lord... He is faithful and true to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Do that this morning. 
and you'll know that you're one of his. And he'll be able to say, I know that's one of mine. As we pray, Father God, Lord, I come before you this morning, and I do pray, Lord God, that we will truly surrender our hearts into who and what you are, that we will f focus on who and what you are, not as the church, but individually, so that we can come into your presence, Lord God, and say that we love you, to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here today that is still struggling with that decision, still struggling with that choice, I pray that today be the day that you open the, the, their hearts to hear your words, Lord God. May the angels in heaven rejoice as they feel your presence being manifested here as others have come to know you. God, I, for those of us here that know you, God, I pray that we make a sweet, sweet sound in song and in prayer this day as you hear us and we hear you. God, thank you for making yourself so personable that each one of us individually can lay our lives into your hands and know that we are wrapped in your hands and God the Father has sealed those hands. And one day we will stand at the throne and when you open that book, you will read our name out of that book. Not because you had to search for us in that book, but because you knew us. Father, I pray your will to be done this day and may every name in this place be written in that Lamb's book of life, Lord God, by the decision that we make. May your grace be made manifest here today, and we give you all praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, just because we don't have music, the, the musical instruments doesn't mean we don't have musicians singing and leading us in prayer. May we all sing together this morning. And if God's telling you to pray, pray. If he's telling you to go across an aisle and grab somebody's hand, do that. But will you do what the Lord's called you to do this morning? Will you focus on what it is God's called you to focus on? Will you be what God's called you to be as we sing this day, guys? You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. Searched for the light of the day, the dead of night.
sang them songs this morning I hope you heard the words that were said he is the chain breaker you just got to trust him but once you truly trust him then you're chained to him you're you're there when you fight against that chain you get chafed you get hurt and you fall why not walk with him and you'll always go easily amen amen, amen. amen. it's good seeing everybody this morning Julio come on up me y'all know Julio he's been taking a lot of our pictures putting together our directory all those kinds of things he's been helping out all around, but he's coming this morning, and Julio said he's been praying about it, and God's laid it on his heart. He knows Jesus is Lord and Savior, and as a part of the body, he said he wants to become part of this body. So he's joining the church this morning. Amen. But everybody in accordance with that, say amen. All right, they like you, brother. I can dig it. Amen. So whenever you see his face, lift it in, in your mind, lift him up in prayer and try to go back to sleep. That's all I can say. Oh. <laughs> Amen, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Keep looking up in all that you say and do. And remember, the question isn't if I can lose my salvation. The question is, have I been saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the question to get hung up on. Make sure the answer is yes. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Good seeing everybody this morning. Keep looking up and keep praising the Lord one step after another and just praise his name in all that you say and all that you do. Amen? Amen. 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 Brother Shane, would you close us in prayer this morning? Hallelujah. Father God, thank you so much for having everybody, everybody here in our congregation today. Thank you for your word being praised through Pastor Frank's sermon. Thank you for our praise team, Lord, and uh, up here carrying on. We like to lift up all of our, all of our rest of our praise team that's not here, weren't able to make it today. We'd like, uh, like everybody to stay safe on safe travels on the way back home. And just thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for salvation that you've given all of us and those who are laid on their heart, they're looking to be saved. Please help them make that decision. Have them come clean with their heart and and uh, just show, help show them the way, Lord. 
in your loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Some glad morning when this life is over. To a land where joy shall never end. 